Bilingual in America. Tunei el loga fi America. Bilinguismo negli Stati Uniti. Bilingue in America. Ser bilingue en America. I'm Suzanne Children are like sponges and can absorb foreign languages so quickly. We've all heard these types of statements and society is flooded with messages telling you who is and who isn't good at language learning. And if you asked any random person who in their opinion excels at language learning, they would probably say children do. This position is seldom challenged. So it must be that children are the perfect language learners and all adults can hope for is to achieve some fraction of their success, right? Wrong. There's a fatal flaw in this logic. Children live very different lives from adults and their reasons for learning a language are rooted in very different circumstances. In fact, there are many reasons to believe that the popular opinion about how poorly adults learn languages is fundamentally flawed. A new system of beliefs is beginning to sprout through the cracks of the old, oversimplified model of age and language learning. Adults bring more experiences, literacy, and reason to a new language when migrating from another country. Their sense of urgency and purpose is different. Let's listen in as I speak with Bella Smorganskaya. Bella was born and raised in St. Petersburg, migrated to Israel as an adult, and lived there for almost five years before coming to the United States at the age of 35. Bella recounts the struggles with learning new cultures and languages, as well as the beauty in it all. First, I want to start, Bella, by welcoming you and asking you to share a little bit about your multilingual experience because you speak three languages fluently after being raised in in Russia. How did your bilingual journey begin? I read somewhere that the limits of my language means the limits of my world. Living in Russia and learning another language was some kind of different because at that time I never felt that I would be able to use my second language. I studied English at school. It was British English, but I never thought that I would be able to use it. But luckily I was able to use it because when I was about 17, I went to Yugoslavia uh, to international student camp and I met a lot of people. So I was able to use my language and I never believed it would happen. Then it was my another experience. Uh, we had a group of Americans came and my father, he was director of a big enterprise and he took me with him. And for me, it was like meeting somebody who came from the moon, literally so. Because you know, Iron Curtain, it's not just the Iron Curtain. You were not supposed to talk to foreigners. You were not supposed to meet with them. And I felt it all the time. And second, being Jewish as well. So you felt that someone is watching you. And it's the truth. But anyway, I was so thankful that my father took this step. He took me with him. They were speaking not British, but American English. But it was fine. But at that time, I never thought that we will leave the country and we will live in another world. So when we left Soviet Union, this country doesn't exist anymore. 
and we went to Israel. We went to Ulpan. At that time, the immigration to Israel just started. And Ulpan was very different from ESL here. Very different. And it was amazing, by the way. We had amazing teacher from Yemen. She told us she's not going to speak to us in English or any other languages. She's going to speak to us in Hebrew from the day one. So full immersion. Okay. Full immersion. In the ESL world, sink or swim. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. Because in our old pond, we had people from different countries, but most from Russia. And even during the break, she didn't want us to speak Russian, but people were speaking Russian anyway. But she didn't want us. And she explained everything in plain Hebrew, whether you understand or not. During first two weeks in Ulpan, something happened to me. I refused to remember letters from alphabet, from Hebrew alphabet. I felt so stupid, but I couldn't remember any letters. Like I blocked my memory. Our teacher was amazing. After two weeks, like she was giving me time, she came to me and she said, Bella, I don't believe you can't remember letters. I said, no, I can't. She said, no, I don't believe you. So I came home and I told my husband, you know, I feel so ashamed, like I'm the last fool in the world. In the morning, I opened my eyes and I know all the letters. I never did anything. It's just, you know, just the letters were in front of my eyes. So I felt like I had, I just, I blocked everything. Like I didn't want to know. You weren't ready. There was so much change, Bella. Yes. I only imagine. Yes. That. And you know, we came, it was just us. I came with my husband and my five-year-old daughter to the country that, that I never knew about. And the people were amazing. We had neighbors who came from Romania and they spoke seven languages. And people in Israel, they amazed me because everyone was speaking a lot of languages, a lot of languages. It wasn't like in Russia. And it wasn't even like in the United States. And it was amazing experience. Your father sounds like a very brave soul. Yes. And he passed that bravery on to you by including you in this opportunity to meet Americans, like you said. And uh, you felt that fear because it was not something that was frowned upon, but that there could be major consequences for partaking and things like that. So I wonder, Bella, like, you know, as you're sitting here talking and as you think back, is there anything that you wish you could tell your younger self? Of course, learn more languages. (laughs) If I were were born in a free country, of course, I would do this. You know, when we came here, I did everything I could to make my daughter learn more languages. She speaks English and she speaks Spanish. And she lived for five years in Europe because I think it's the future. To understand the world, you need to speak more languages. So that just reaffirms everything we talk about on the show, right? You have to save your mother tongue. It's necessary, I think. That's why we spoke at home in Russian. And, you know, now it's so funny. She insists that her two little kids, they're speaking Russian. My older grandson, he's almost six. He has perfect Russian and he has perfect English. Yarina and I are both educators and, and we just love celebrating the beauty of being bilingual, multilingual, mm-hmm. and, and what that yeah. means. 
you know, you mentioned this amazing teacher that you had. So of course, as an educator, that warms my heart because that's all we ever hope for is to really powerfully and positively impact the the learners that we come in contact with, whether they're children or adults. And so, Bella, do you think there's a difference um, or an advantage that you had when you arrived in Israel being fully literate in Russian and having some background in English that helped you develop your skills in Hebrew? Yes and no, because people are saying the more languages you know, the easier you are learning another language. I think yes. And I think again that it was because of my teacher, she didn't allow us to speak Russian or even English because people are trying to get more acquainted with Hebrew. How do you grow and maintain your use of both Hebrew and English? You know, I can say that I'm maintaining Hebrew only when I come to Israel. It's now it's different. I I can understand what they're saying, but I'm not speaking mostly because, you know, I don't want to make mistakes because then I, I don't feel comfortable, but I understand and I can read. The door of a door from one generation to the yes. next. Yes. It'll be interesting to watch what your grandchildren want to pursue as, as their third language and perhaps even more because your daughter has a smattering of experiences from living yes. abroad in Europe. I hope, I hope. So Bella, the other thing I just want to share with our listeners is how fascinating for me from an educator's lens that you learned to speak and communicate all four modalities, right? Reading, writing, listening, speaking with three languages that have three different alphabetic principles, right? The Hebrew alphabet looks nothing like Russian, looks nothing like English. What have been some of the noticings that you've made along this journey as you're putting the pieces together on how these languages are more similar than different and connections that you made? No, they're very different, but you know, from grammar point, Hebrew is easiest language. It's very structural. I think two, two things most important, good teacher and willingness to learn. It's the main points. Absolutely. And you serve as an example, whether you realize it or not, to others who are aspiring to grow in their linguistic capacity. So thank you, Bella. I so appreciate this amazing linguistic journey that you've had. And it's a tribute to your father, to yourself. I admire how you have passed this on to your children and your grandchildren. Thank you. You're very welcome. It's, it was a pleasure, really. Ileana Fernandez migrated from Peru at the age of 20 and immersed herself in American school and culture in order to help her with her English language development. We're going to listen in as she shares her personal testimony with Yarina Sancion. So Eliana, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, We're really excited to be talking to adults who have migrated to the United States as young adults. Um, If you could tell me a little bit of your story. Sure. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to your program. I came from Peru when I was almost 20 years old. And to me, it was seeing a different world, a new world. First, I didn't know the language. I did not know the city. I didn't know the community, the people, the costumes. I didn't know anything. I came here to study. 
my mother had a cousin who lived in New York and that's why I came here. They were nice to me, but they were kind of strangers because I was not raised with them. But they facilitated uh, me living here. So it, it was a great experience. Uh, I love New York. I love the city. I used to go to 41st Street to learn English. There was a, uh, an academy, but it was very helpful because at the end of my first year learning in English, I was able to say things and understand things. It was a little bit difficult, but at the same time, because I wanted so bad to learn the language, I pushed myself to do it. And, and I think I accomplished. And, uh, and then I continued, you know, my studies until I knew I graduated by myself. And what I mean is that the first time that I watched a complete movie in English and I understood everything, I said to myself, yeah, now this is my graduation. I understand. I understood everything. I love <laughs> because, that. <laughs> because I used to watch it with cousins or whoever says, what did you say? ¿Qué dijo? ¿Qué dijo? You know, what did you say? And this time, I, I think it was after two years of being here. The first time, that, that was unforgettable. So what do you think are the advantages of learning another language later on in, your, in life? Well, that to me was a huge advantage. Uh, it opened me doors. It helped me with, of course, my studies because everything was in English. I learned the new culture. I knew that I had to do it if I wanted to work and stay here. And I did. As I said before, it was difficult because I, I didn't know any English when I came here. So it was, it was really difficult. It took me some time, some frustration and but it was very helpful uh, because not only in this country where you know the main language is English, but is if you go any to any other country, most people speak English. So it's a way to communicate. I've been to China. I didn't know any any Chinese, but they spoke English, and I spoke English, and so we were able to communicate. So I think that learning English gives you the 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 entrance to other parts of the world to other even to other languages because hmm. the, the roots of uh learning english also helps when you learn in another language that could be similar to english wow yes. yeah i i totally see that and uh, you bring an interesting perspectives you know the podcast is called bilingual in america what do you think it means to be bilingual in America? Bilingual in America to me means that my heart is in two places. I was born and raised in Peru. I lived there for 20 years. And, and of course, I'm here for a long time. I still remember my, my childhood, which is completely in Spanish. I cannot think about my childhood in English right? Mm. And uh, when I dream, I dream in Spanish. When I count, I count in Spanish. The roots, the basic knowledge, the structure of my language, all of that, you know, was in Spanish. 
And, and I will say that maybe the enrichment part of my life was here in the United States. So being bilingual in America is having to one identity that is formed by two places, by the contribution of two countries, by the merge of two cultures. It means learning more. It means knowing more. It means having more opportunities. I, I really appreciate what you're saying. You have great, beautiful homage to your roots and you never let go of those things. And that's evident in what you're sharing. If you still dream in your native language, if you still count in your native language and read and experience things in your native language and then view this experience as you know, part of your enrichment, like what a beautiful melody that you've created in your life, right? Thank you. Yes. And, and I feel it like that because I can identify with both parts. If I go back to Peru, it's like I never left. And mm. then after a, a while, I missed the state. And right. here is like, I was born here, but I was not. <laughs> and sometimes I miss you know, certain things from Peru. That is beautiful to me. That is very beautiful. It is beautiful. So if you could go back in time and whisper something to your younger self at the start of your bilingual journey, what would you whisper to yourself? Don't be afraid. Take risks. Don't be timid because I remember a very kind of ugly thing that happened when I was in college. I was taking a speech class for foreigners, but also American kids were able to take it at that point. I don't, re I don't recall why. The thing is that I was, I always sat kind of in the front and these two guys sat in the back. And every time the teacher would ask a question, I would raise my hand and participate in the way I could with an accent, with uh, mistaken words, but the teacher and the rest of the class, you know, was able to understand it. But these two guys used to make so much fun of me to the point that I had to go to the teacher, to the professor, and I complained and she didn't do anything. And I had to drop the class. I dropped the class because I couldn't stand that anymore. And it was like in the middle of the semester. I lost my money and everything, but I, I said to myself, I can't. This is, this, is, this is not fair. This is not humane. They don't have respect for other people and, and I said, I can't, I can't be in, a, in an environment that is so negative. And so I left. Well, you advocated um, for yourself and uh, there was no shift or no change. And But sometimes I, I, I still remember that. And I think about how many times that is repeated, how often that is seen and mm -hmm. This world and in all the parts of the world where there is also bilingualism going on, right. you know, that people don't understand. Those guys were didn't know where Peru was to begin with, because they asked me, "Where are you from?" And I said, "From Peru." So where is that? They said, "What do you mean? Where is that? You're mm. a college student. You don't know where Peru is." So if I could go back, I would say, "Don't take it so hard. Mm -hmm. Just." 
continue uh, with with the class and uh, even though the teacher did not react um right uh, and that for a while caused me to to hold myself when i wanted to express myself in public or whatever because those thoughts came back to me like people mm -hmm. are gonna laugh at me because my accent or because i don't know the past tense of this world this is the word or whatever but uh, i overcame that you know but um it was a, a difficult experience for me. Right. And I'm sure it was a process too in, in yes. overcoming that and, and, and saying that's not going to impact me. I'm going to continue with my plan and my intention. Right. I get it. I do. So our hashtag is speak your beauty. I know oh. there must be many ways that you speak your beauty. That is such a beautiful question speak my beauty. I think that my beauty comes, of course, from inside. And my beauty is to help my students and the families that I work with. It has been a passion since I was eight years old when I discovered that I wanted to be a teacher. My beauty is to give the best that I have in me, to give my, um, especially with the students that I, that I work with, uh, that I always worked with, because they needed so much encourage, you know, and uh, so much, uh, so many words of praise. So that is my beauty. My beauty is to help the students that cannot help themselves, to help the parents that they don't know their rights are. So that has always been my beauty. I love that you speak your beauty as being a contribution to children and to parents. I mean, I don't think there's anything more noble or beautiful than that. So with that, I want to thank you for joining me for this segment. And uh, adelante. Thank you. Yes, adelante. Today, we heard Bella talk about the block she experienced when first learning Hebrew after arriving in Israel. And we also heard about the success Eliana felt when she finally understood a movie in its entirety in English. When we consider the critical period hypothesis that says there is an ideal age range for language learning and the relevant literature on the biology of the brain, we can only conclude that there's nothing solid about the science of a critical period. That's right. No one has landed any hard evidence that this period exists in our brains at all. So take a breath, debunk this myth, and let go of all of our age-related anxieties. The spirit of tenacity and perseverance wins. It is never too late to learn something new. And with the variety of online language supports, you can definitely get started, even during a pandemic. Did you know that if you're a good reader in your native language, you'll probably be a good reader in your second language? That's because adults are good at taking knowledge they already have and transferring it to very similar sets of circumstances. In fact, reading and complex processes is where adults really shine. The critical period in no way applies here. And in fact, the opposite could be said, the older, the better. Just like fine wine, yes, language learning can be better with age. So raise your glass for our virtual toast to you as you expand the way you speak your beauty. Butsaruf, salud, chindan. And remember, keep speaking your beauty. Thank you for your interest in the stories we share. 
by sharing, following, and liking our podcast on anchor.fm, Bilingual in America, and our Instagram blog at bilingualinamerica.podcast. You are speaking your beauty. We welcome your comments and feedback, and we appreciate your support. Follow us, like us, share us.